welcome to Unmuted Unmastered. I'm Will, and this is the internet's most astrological music podcast. On the show this week, I'm joined by James. Hello there. And Tom. Uh, hello. Coming up in this episode, we've got a review of the new Tisha album. We've got the upcoming releases you need to know about, but first, the news. Tom, what have you got for us? I'm still stuck on the most astrological podcast. It'll, it'll click eventually. Um, in the news this week, uh, Glastonbury tickets soar to £340 for 2023. Um, tickets for all music festivals have been quietly going up over the last few years. Uh, increased costs and also squeeze profit margins mean that tickets are increasing. Glastonbury have gone way ahead of the curve, certainly in terms of UK festivals, in r- raising their... Ticket fees massively, a 26% increase since 2019 when tickets cost £248. Um, they haven't really cited much of a reason for this, although it is a trend that has been happening for some time. I believe there has not been a year in Glastonbury's uh, history where ticket prices have either stayed the same or where they have um, gone down. Um, but this is really remarkable stuff. The first thing to note here is that it is significantly higher than other UK festivals. I've spent a few minutes before we went on air racing through a few different websites to get some uh, early bird ticket prices for 2023. Most of these are weekend prices, uh, most of these are from 2023, but just to put it into context what £335 looks like for UK festivals, uh, best of all, uh, in Dorset is £190 uh, for the weekend. Uh, Reading Festival is 259 for the weekend, which is a uh, two or three day event. It's a three day event. Uh, Victorious Festival in Portsmouth is 245 for the weekend. Uh, Isle of Wight Festival was 185 back in 2019. I checked my own uh, bank statement to make sure that that was accurate. I don't actually know what the price is for 2023, but certainly I would suspect it's gone up a little bit since then. Uh, Truck Festival, which is in. In Worcester, he says, getting it wrong, uh, is 139 for the weekend. All of them, almost all of them, are below the £200 bracket. Um, and they are, even then, significantly lower than Glastonbury for what is a three-day music festival. Now, Glastonbury makes a lot of noise about the fact that it is more than a music festival. There's also an experience, there's community, there's loads of stuff to do besides music. Lots of it was family-orientated, but this is also a very high ticket price per head if you've got yourself, your, your partner and two kids to bring along with you. Um, so I wonder, actually, if this ticket price is actually signalling a shift away from their traditional roots and towards competing with more global festivals. It kind of dawned on me there are certain events that everybody's desperate to go to. Uh, Tomorrowland, which is in the Netherlands, the EDM festival, tickets for that start at $262 uh, and rise to 535 like in the last phase of... Uh, ticket sales before the event. Um, Boomtown in the UK, phase one starts at £250 and phase four, which is currently on sale, is for £280. These are for 2023 prices, again, for the whole weekend. Um, Coachella, the American music festival, this makes my eyes water. Phase one tickets, first first run of tickets, start at $499. And that's the US, so I suspect that doesn't include tax either. So put a... Um, a VAT on that as well, like whatever it is over there, like 10%, 15%, like, whoa, it's massive. So a couple of takeaways here. Festivals are getting very expensive, as well, to be fair, as is everything. That's not necessarily um, new in any way, and that's probably just a result of things costing more, even very basic things like fuel for trucks to get equipment there is going to cost more. Therefore, invoices for uh, transportation are going to go up. That then trickles down into prices for customers, so on and so forth. One thing to note about that, though, I mentioned that there are a load of price packets there. Even in the below £100 mark, like, you, like, you know, Will, you and I um, went to uh, Forward Festival in Bristol, which admittedly was a slightly different audience. That was designed for a community and for a city rather than for being, you know, being a national music festival. But tickets for that for like were like what, forty five pounds if I remember right? And got to see Chemical Brothers for a day. Yeah, I think I paid I paid eighty pounds for two days. Which feels like much better value than than some of these prices. 
Mm. And admittedly, again, that was a little bit different because it was a much more of a um, local festival, small capacity. Um, but even Love Supreme, from memory, the jazz festival I went to this summer, that was one three five for three days. I didn't actually end up going for the entirety of the three days, but th- that was still significantly cheaper. So point one, can you actually then therefore pair two or three cheaper festivals together as a summer of activities rather than splashing it all on a Glastonbury or on a Reading Festival. And point two, does Glastonbury actually have the clout? Do they really have the prestige and the experience to compete with global events a la Tomorrowland and Boomtown and Coachella, as is my theory by raising the prices? Are they trying to change their uh, demographic? Are they trying to change their... A uh, price point because even because even like driving past um, Glastonbury coincidentally this year um, I didn't mean to I, just, I was just passing the the area um, on the way to Bath during the Glastonbury weekend. It's fine. It's a Somerset town. It's not exactly like you know California or or Rotterdam or something. So I don't know. Maybe I'm being very cynical and very British, but interesting. Glastonbury prices are soaring next year to £340 per ticket. I think Glastonbury definitely has kind of the the mind share and kind of the the reputation to be on that level. But I feel like the way they want to pitch themselves, their kind of marketing strategy, is that kind of, like you were saying, Tom, we're more than a music festival, we've got other things, and it's about kind of culture, and we want to be more family-orientated and, and have that other stuff going on. But £350-ish for a ticket, taking a family of four is like over a grand. Over a grand. L- like, that. that's not going to be yeah. like, kind of, even like kind of normal middle class families aren't doing that, right? You could get a package holiday to Turkey for that amount, just for, for probably double the time, you know? Exactly, yeah. And and you can think about things like Coachella, but I feel like that's a very different audience, right? Like, I don't know, they just have very different feels. Glastonbury, even though it is this kind of big event and it's very mainstream, it does feel a bit more kind of like artist-driven, I guess. Whereas Coachella feels like we'll shove whoever the biggest DJ in the world is on the stage, like Swedish House Mafia, or or whoever's going to pull the most people through the door, and that's going to be your weekend. Mm. And we'll do the weird, like, Snoop Dogg, not Snoop Dogg, uh, Tupac hologram or whatever. Glastonbury wouldn't do stuff like that, I feel like. Mm. Not to mention, like, Coachella has kind of turned into, you know, just the Met Gala in a field, let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like it would fit their brand. But I guess they're just looking at it and thinking, like, demand's so high for tickets, they may as well charge more than selling them for less and then scalpers taking a bunch of the money on the back end. I, I mean, consider the headliners they've had in recent years. Like, Adele comes to mind, Kanye West comes to mind, um, Coldplay, but Coldplay always are playing a glass of let's be honest. Um Huge acts, even Chemical Brothers in 2019. That felt like a slightly unusual choice at the time, which people like adored and were really ready for. Um, and even Paul McCartney this year, like they bring in big names to play these festivals, obviously because it's Glastonbury. But then you'll also have like on the side stage, you'll still get like you know a whole afternoon of shoegaze if you go to like the other stage or the John Peel stage or whatever it is. I wonder if they need to reassess who they're catering for. Because one person's going to go for one thing, one person's going to go for another, but are they going to pay the price of admission for, you know, quote-unquote everything to see one or the other? I think they've got a conundrum there, and I think to justify that price, they're going to need to deliver a different product with with my marketing hat on. Mm. Yeah. And I, I know they say they got more than just music, but Glastonbury does feel like those smaller UK festivals, but just times by x amount just bigger and then when you think about that then surely if you're if you're dividing that price by how many people they get in then surely it's around or maybe just a little bit more than a smaller uk festival per head Mm. like if you got that many people coming in so hey ho 
I, I, I don't think it's different to other international festivals. It's not as wild and experience, you know, lights and everything focused. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they'll get more money in. <laughs> Just a quick little bit for maths. Capacity in 2022 was 210,000 uh, people. So theoretically, pre-tax and everything, everything else and pre-expenses... Let's just multiply that out, shall we? For the benefit of the listeners, Tom's currently using the calculator on his Apple Watch, and it's the most, like, 70s view of the future yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> this, this, this all right, calculators in your wish, wristwatch, right? That is Star Trek. Um, <laughs> just, do a quick, just do a quick calculation, and I'll, like, I don't know, Spock from the next generation. Um, 210,000 attendees, £335 per ticket. Theoretically, that is a... Uh, Income revenue gross seventy million pounds. Compare that to theoretically something like they had in twenty nineteen. That would then be fifty million. So raising prices that little bit, they've given themselves twenty million pounds of additional revenue. I say, fine. What are you going to do with it? Well, I don't think any of us are going. Well, maybe you might, Tom. So. Maybe maybe someone will report back. I, I haven't got the money. <laughs> mm. They have better beers. <laughs> right, let's get on to our review for this week. We're looking at Capricorn Sun by Tisha. Released on the 7th of October 2022, it's 13 tracks long, clocking at 54 minutes and 48 seconds. It was released on Ninja Tune, a storied dance music label from the UK. On the label's website, they say Capricorn Sun is both a statement of where she is right now as an artist and producer, but also a reflection of the time she spent writing and recording the album and the impact of global events, family upheaval and personal struggles during that period. Let's get into general thoughts. James, what did you think of this album? I think this album felt like a story. It felt like a journey. Um, I don't really feel like when listening to this album, not picking out certain ones and saying, I'll put this on the playlist, like we have done for many, many other albums. Um, I do feel like it's a piece altogether, and it feel, it feels very coherent as one piece. Um, but not saying you can't put it on the playlist. Do that if you want to. The first time listening to it, only when it was done, I realised, hold on, this is not like... It's not an album that's just full of vocals and instrumentation, like a pop album or a rock album or whatever. It is an electronic album with vocals every now and then. And I feel like that kind of speaks to kind of what the album was. Like the instruments were singing in place of vocals a lot of the time. One thing I found was it wasn't particularly top heavy. It wasn't bottom heavy. It was, I think it was quite consistent in its quality. But when you go down to each track on track level, it's always the second half. Well, not always, but most of the time, the second half of the tracks are the good bits. And the first half, it just doesn't feel like there's enough to them. It's only when we get into the second half, it really blooms and flourishes and brings out all these crazy cool elements. Um, but when it does get to that point, it's great in my opinion. Um, I really enjoyed the combination of instruments, instruments that we don't usually hear in this context, um, and the ways they influences, influence the listener's experience when they're coming in and when they go out, when they introduce a chord progression that just provides a very different feeling and it gives the track a different um, pathway. Um, uh, yeah, I do feel like there's flaws in this album. Um, there, there are moments where it's just not quite as good as, as, as other tracks. But to be honest, as a listening experience, especially the first time I listened to it, like without making notes, it's just, I really loved it. Um, just thought it was great. It was just a great sound. And yeah, I could listen to it again, to be honest. Tom? I liked this album. 
I'm afraid I don't love it. The first thing to say is that it sets the scene really, really nicely. From the moment the album started with the little intro and the um, spoken word studio chatter section, that was lovely. The light is a really soulful, um, bright and really uh, evocative number. And similar to what you said, James, um, the thing that let this down for me was the fact that tracks felt quite predictable. I could hear lots of good stuff and I could hear loads of great ideas and I could hear some really cool and interesting uh, vocal samples. I could also hear loads and loads of like classic EDM influences Lots of trap beat influences in that. I love the overall texture of it, but it felt very predictable. Compare this to, I don't know, a couple of other albums that I've loved this year. They all took a left turn. They all did something unexpected. By the end of the 10, what, what have we got here? 13 tracks. I could predict what I was going to get. And that's one of the greatest sins that I think an album can commit is to being predictable. And it's really annoying because I really like the selections here. I love the timbre. I love the uh, instrumentation. And I love the samples being used. And I love the idea and I love the themes. But the pattern just became a bit too predictable for me. Um, and I wanted to take a left turn. I wanted to have the courage to follow through on what I heard in that intro and what I heard in that first track. And it didn't quite match what I expected, which is disappointing. I really like this. Um, and the first track gave me high expectations and I don't think it quite delivered what I was after. I think people are going to enjoy this, but there's another level which I kind of just willed it to get to and it didn't quite reach. So I, I think this is a really strong debut album. Um, I, I think it's a, it was a good idea that she's used quite a few of her kind of big tunes from that she's released over the last few years. So Sister was on an EP from two years ago. Power, I think, was last year or two years ago. Um, only L as well. I think it... it Because, I mean, rock bands do this all the time where they tour test songs for ages and then they throw them all once they're, like, properly polished onto a record. Um, I think it's good that, yeah, it, she's kind of identified these tracks work really well and they're going to work well in the context of the album it's not hugely experimental but what it does is it does that kind of like festival style dance music i mean obviously it's a it's quite different to those bands but in like orbital or chemical brothers like it's dance music on that kind of scale and it's done really confidently like there's not there's no song you'd pick out here that doesn't at least work right um, and there are some songs on here that I think are, are really stand out. But yeah, it, it does kind of maybe miss out on that next step of kind of maybe experimenting a bit and doing something a bit odd. But maybe that's more of a place for the second album where she can delve into things maybe a bit more. And, and I guess she did on her Fabric Presents mix as well. So yeah, overall, I, th I think this is a really strong debut album. It, it's not one of my favourite dance albums of the year but i think it's just really really enjoyable to listen to and there are so many like kind of big like getting people dancing moments that yeah it's one that you can easily recommend to people whether they're fans of electronic music or not right let's get into the tracks themselves it opens with galdem and i'll loop in the light as well because they they do kind of go together um like you said james i feel like this was one of the the biggest moments for me where I felt like the opening half didn't have a ton going on. It's got kind of those pitch shifted vocals, which sound nice, but then it's kind of, it's some piano. There are some synths coming through, but it's the second half where those like big stabby synth chords and the really saturated bass, and it has such a great tone to it come through and it, it really gets going. I, I don't know how you'd pull that off trying to have that kind of energy in the first half as well. But I think maybe just more going on in the arrangement in that first half would have made it maybe more kind of engaging. I don't think it's weak. It's just not as big as that that second part. 
the other thing I picked out was uh, she uses steel drum in it, and it, including in the way it's kind of performed, it does have kind of that Jamie XX energy. And I think it's just hard to kind of separate that sound in dance music from him. But it, it did immediately make me think, okay, we're taking from other places rather than it feeling completely fresh. Yeah, the thing that really stood up for me was the vocal sample. Really, really one good performance and really good selection for this song. I think that even though the first half was quite sparse, I think it gave the vocals enough room to sort of shine. I think it could really carry it, and I think it really did. And this was the kind of thing that I wanted more of from this album. Like We're like, what, two and a half minutes in, and we're being carried just by vocal sample, little bit of keys, and some, steel, and some, yeah, like you said, steel drums in the background. And I thought, okay, this feels a bit odd. This feels a bit unusual. Where are you going to take me? Um, and this was delightful. This was really a standout for me because it really surprised me. The first track, I thought, this is not what I expected to hear here. Uh, and it really appealed to me. I had so much fire in that voice and it's such a nice, well-rounded composition. This was really a favourite of mine. It's just a shame that I don't think it quite reached this height again, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yeah, this started starts out, um, well, close to the beginning, um, with the clip of her talking, like you already mentioned, Tom. I feel like that's coming to a point where it's been overdone in recent years or whatever. Um, but I, I, it is a happy, tearful clip. So I think it does kind of work in its favor. Um, I do have a few like nitpicks about the just how it sounded in the headphones. Like when I, when I was listening to some speakers, it was fine. I couldn't hear it. But like the piano, when the piano was playing, you could really like hear the hammers on the piano strings and it was just like it, it was quite off-putting and then it was generally just a bit a tad too bassy for me just it was a bit overwhelming um but i do like towards the end of that first track do love how the the drum machine and the clapping sounds build up towards the end of that track but that does come to a point like why are these songs separate why isn't it just one thing because when i was first listening to it I was like, how am, I on, how am I on track three already when that came around? I thought it was track two, but that's just a small thing. And for the light, um, yeah, I love that soulful singing sound that we already had. Um, and that kind of lovely combination of electronic beats, piano, and then that natural voice, and then the steel pan. That was just a great combination, and I think it was pretty much perfectly executed. And I really like the those pointy electronic stabs and these the piano well piano but it's kind of it felt more electronic. Yeah, it was turned into this really cool dance track where it wasn't that already. It was kind of yeah, this piano and vocals were a bit of electronic, but now it really turned into this cool dance track. And yeah, I really enjoyed how the emotion really came through, but also that combination of electronic pieces came through as well yeah that that was great um and i feel like in in the light like in the second half the bpm slightly speedens up speeds up um i'm not sure if that's just me hearing things but it did feel like it speeds up a little bit and it i think that contributed you to in being more engaged i think it's a bit of a lazy way of doing it but it it did make it more interesting for me, and that's the goal of this track, so that's great. The next track is Only L, which is another... Well, it's one of the tracks that came out quite a while ago in an EP. I didn't love it at the time. It's grown on me a bit. I quite like the the synths in the chorus and the drum tones as well. I quite like the hi-hats. Are, they kind of have that like top-heavy 808 feel to them. It's just the vocals on this one that don't really sit right with me, particularly in the chorus where you get that kind of spacey, maybe like slapback delay type sound on them. It it just has a bit of an odd effect and that they're quite forward in the mix and they're repeating as well. And it, I don't know, there's something about that hook that doesn't really work for me in the way that some of the other tracks do. I didn't think the track was particularly technically spectacular. 
And some of the sounds, like you mentioned, Will, were not the best. But saying that, I do think it's like such a danceable track and an, an enjoyable track. If you're not like really focusing in, in on it, it's just like the beat really carries it. And yeah, it's just a fun track. And right at the start, I do enjoy the, maybe not the vocal sound, but the rhythm of the vocals. It sounds really percussive. It's just a great sound for me. Good sound, good instrumentation. This did not lift me half as much as the opening track, but then again, this at this point I was thinking, okay, this is a this is a palate cleanser. Something's gonna happen in a minute. Um, yeah, this was fine. It didn't really do anything for me, but it was there and it was pleasant enough. I don't really have that much more to say on um, only L. Well, the next track, Water, is probably my favourite of the songs I hadn't heard prior to the album's release. I love the kind of timbre shifting ARP keys. I think it, it starts off as kind of one sound and then as the ARP goes on, it kind of shifts into being more of a kind of stabby, like glockenspiel-y type sound. It's just such a great tone. Uh, the vocals are great. And this time it's got that repeating line again, kind of like the chorus of Only L, but it's pushed back a bit in the mix. It's a bit softer. It's not got such a stark effect on it. I think it sounds really great. And the other thing is in that kind of B section, you get the, the A section with those kind of arps. And then the B section, you just get this great melody. And it's just on a simple, like, saw sound run through some reverb. Um, it's just one of those times where, like, you try for ages and ages to write a melody like that. And they come around quite infrequently. It's just great. Um and yeah, all of the percussion is great. I love that they have kind of the tom pushing into the second kick that gives it that really like driving feel through the track. I, I think this is, it's not one of the biggest songs on the album, but it's definitely one of the most enjoyable for me. Yeah, agreed. This one had a lot of weight. This was a really enjoyable one to just nod along to. I could see how this could really light up a dance floor Yeah, if it was ever played. Again, Steel Drum to Make a Return. Really nice, you know, sort of fresh sound, fresh timbre. I don't hear that much in any music. I don't know what is particularly popular in like, you know, EDM formats, but actually this was just a nice touch. The other thing that I like is that I love how this track plays with dynamics. Goes a little bit quiet when you don't expect it to. Suddenly jumps back up to volume when you don't quite expect it to. Um, this was nice, really refreshing. This was a good track. This track felt like a almost continuation or extension, a softer version of the last one. But yeah, I do feel like it's quite a few steps better than that one. Um, I love the vocals. I do wish there was a little bit more of them, but it's fine. Um, big fan of the steel pan and the the electronic um, tones, the tunes are better than the last um yeah when the that electronic piece riff comes in later in it's more stabby and it's more meaningful um and it just has like more authority to it and just makes the song more present and better yeah the second half made the the song feel more complete and more like a song than the first half but it it was good sounding Next, we have Dancing in the Shadows, which kind of brings in this kind of 90s dance flavor to it with the vocals, with the breakbeat. It has also this kind of like sunset type feeling to it for me. Like it kind of reminds me of, not exclusively, but some of the kind of late noughties hospital records tracks like um, Just One Second and stuff like that, where it, it really feels like it suits kind of, you know, late night at a dance event where the sun's starting to set and kind of i mean it's called dancing in the shadows so it kind of makes sense that it fits that that scene and and one thing i really loved about it is right at the end we keep talking about the ends of the tracks they bring in that 303 acid lead line it sounds so good on this yeah this was really nice this was a great injection of energy into this album. Like you said, I loved all of the um, 
break beat influences, the acid influences in here as well. Uh, here's a bit of a meet of the master bingo for you. This reminded me of the soundtrack to a racing game. It really did. I like the energy that this had and the speed it had as well, like the sense of urgency. This was really fun. This felt like a real throwback track. Uh, and this was nice, really, really refreshing. Um, again, I just kind of in the back of my mind wish, where's the, where's the left turn? Where's this, you know, divert? But actually then again, when it did have this new flavor come in the second half, that really helped it. I really enjoyed this one. As it began, it wasn't, it was groovy, but it wasn't my cup of tea. But when, when we have that string sound, um, come in, it provides like a a chord progression that may have been there already, but it really really reinforced that. And it just, along with the percussion as well, it gave a different context to the vocals. And I think it just worked so much better than what it previously did in the first half. Um so yeah, that that really swung my opinion on the track. That just that second half. The next track is giving up which I think the kind of background stuff going on is maybe slightly weaker than some of the other tracks. But I think on this one, the vocal actually works really well. And I think all, all of the effects that kind of link it to some, like Only L, kind of Tom really actually work on this song. I, I think that that vocal hook's really good. And the other thing that kind of carries the song, I guess, are the drums, um, which have this kind of thumping kick, but also kind of the energy of the breakbeat behind it as well. It kind of comes together and maybe draws the attention away from some of the synth elements underneath, which are maybe a bit more simple, but it still comes together as a good song. Yeah, the way this followed Dancing in the Shadows as well, it feels like these two have been, if not paired together, then they have been partnered together. That is to be close and to have a similar vibe to them. Uh, I kind of related to together in my mind. The way that this one played with dynamics, though, was kind of a really nice refresher for me. Like, it was happy to have quiet moments to bring in some new flavors now and again to drive the track forward. The only thing that I noticed was that by the end of this track, my ear was starting to get a little bit tired. I kind of wanted something different to happen, um, which happens with, with every album. The only comment I have on this one, I enjoyed it, but um, I noticed that the the bass, like the bass uh, guitar, I think it was a bass guitar, might not have been, um, it sounded more percussive than um, melodic. I couldn't hear the notes as well as I wanted to. Um, yeah, it just seemed percussive and a bassy sound. But saying that, I, I can totally imagine this in a, club with everyone vibing um yeah it, it was an enjoyable track opening the second half we get anxious mind which i do feel like is a bit of a left turn for the record uh instead of kind of the big festival dance music it's still big but it's kind of taking more from garage and maybe kind of the mainstream moments of dubstep with artists like magnetic man and stuff and doing something maybe a a bit less kind of danceable and a bit more pensive, I guess. I think the vocals are a lot more fleshed out than on I mean, pretty much any other song on the album. It feels like an actual kind of full-on vocal performance that's just the vocals and not kind of mashed up and with loads of effects on. I, I do, do think that they, it's kind of more just than the rhythms and stuff that they're taking the garage and dubstep kind of influences because you've got kind of towards the second half, you've got a bass line that very much sounds like that kind of thing. And you've got the pad sounds. A lot of them are kind of filtered. So you get that nineties ravey energy that was kind of brought back around that time. I feel like, so it, it, it's not a full reinvention. It still feels like it fits with everything else, but it, it brings in enough new stuff for me to kind of perk up and think, Oh, okay. We're, we're trying something new now. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, really enjoyed the singing and it didn't have that half-half issue I keep banging on about. It did feel like a, a consistent thing throughout. And yeah, the, the vocals were just really nice sounding and it was just such a solid song. Well, next we get Time, which feels like 
kind of I mean the way the album sequenced is pretty much the whole of the first half and that last track are almost all have features on them and then this the rest of the album doesn't have any and this one feels like she's trying to do something different again where it's a kind of slower less bombastic track compared to the others it's feels like it's maybe trying to bring in more influences outside of dance music as well, like trying to kind of look around at music from around the world and bring in some sounds from that, which I think is cool before we get onto the next track, which is then kind of bringing the energy back up again. Yeah, Time Was One I really enjoyed, actually. A little bit quieter, a little bit more broody and mellow. Um, but I liked it. It was a nice change of pace, particularly after the fact that you've come off two slash three fairly high energy tracks this felt a lot more laid back this felt a lot more this this was something that appealed to me in a very different way to the other tracks the gripe i have with this one is just the tone of the the main synth it's kind of sounded like a duck being strangled <laughs> and the the percussion hits were a bit like rough and spiky in the headphones um but when the bass guitar comes in it does get a bit more groovy and it lifts the song it lifts the song up um then the duck comes back in and i didn't really enjoy that um but right towards the end um yeah it, it gets really cool and like right towards the end it sounds like a track from the matrix or like an early 2000 sci-fi movie um and that was just like a a weird turn for me, and I, yeah, I just really enjoyed that bit. Have you heard "Fight" by DJ Fresh? Because if you yeah. want a song where it sounds like a dog's being strangled, that one just hits the nail on the head. <laughs> if you want a song that sounds like a dog being strangled, well, there's our pull quote for the day. The next track on this album is "Power," which was a song I was actually really glad to see pop up on the track list because it was. I think it it was on the EP with Only L, but Only L was the title track there. So that this felt more like a kind of B-side. I wouldn't have thought it would kind of make the cut, but I'm glad it did because I, I think this is a stronger track than, than the other one. Um, I really like how at the beginning it kind of builds up and then it drops back down to the baseline and it makes you wait until the second half. I think this is actually a a good use of that building up to the second half because the first half with the bass line with like some noise cranked into it and it's all saturated really works well by itself. And then when you get the kind of all of the instrumentation coming together at the end, it it just feels like a, a really satisfying listen throughout. Yeah, this was nice. This had a, um, I had shades of like uh, electro swing in this. Like it had a really different energy to the rest. Like I thought specifically of Caravan Palace when I was listening to this track really really cool texture and really cool colour to add into this album yeah really fun this was again another standout point for me um, it's wandered quite away away from the first tracks but it still feels and fits and it still feels quite cohesive this is really enjoyable lots of instrumentation here I like the fact that they jump between different sections quite suddenly and abruptly I don't know. I always like stuff like that. Again, Caravan Palace does it a lot as well um, in her tunes. This was nice. Really unexpected turn, which kind of answered my earlier question. Um, yeah, I didn't like this one. Um, felt like it was quite jarring. Um, the tune was a bit... did get a bit repetitive for me. And the I feel like the steel drum in here was a bit strange and a bit out of place and to be honest i really couldn't wait for this one to be over and, and that was kind of due to the repetitive nature of some of the elements so this one's not for me the next one getting towards the end of the album is running uh, i quite like that this one felt like it had a different density to the other tracks like it it feels a lot more top heavy and kind of airy and the when the pads come in they they kind of fill up the space uh and the, the other big thing i really loved about this one is just the timbre of the kick and the claps like the the kicks like really punchy and then the claps have this really like i don't know it's just satisfying kind of fizziness to them you know, I just I appreciate a good clap when I hear one, and this one was a unique one that 
that gave me the the tingles. I feel like this one had more substance to be and more melody to it. Um, the guitar kind of gave 2010 singer-songwriter vibes, but then it doesn't fully go into that, thankfully. And it brings um, other instru- elements and instruments into it, which really carry the song along. And speaking of the guitar, actually, um, I love it when the song kind of fades down, settles down, and then the last bit of the guitar line plays and it brings everything back in and yeah that was such a like a satisfying moment um i also had like um it was reminiscent of uh a lincoln park song i think it might be burn burn it down by lincoln park or like a song in that album um and i i had to go back to listen to that song i was like yeah i think it does remind me of that song um but that's not a bad thing in my opinion, I, I, yeah, I just really feel like this song had a lot more substance and melody, melody to it, and I really enjoyed it. You've got me wondering what that track is now because I know that album inside and out. Um, Living things, come on, boy, the track is. I'll have a little listen. At this point, I must admit, and this could just be like a mixing and mastering thing more than it is the actual track. My ears were getting quite tired of this album. Uh, that could just be like a characteristic of EDM albums and having. 10 uh, dance orientated tracks one after the other but I, again my ear was getting a little bit tired at this stage um, which damaged my enjoyment I suspect that if I heard this in isolation by itself I would thoroughly 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 enjoy this track um, but I've only been listening to it within the context of the album um, And interestingly, a, a small tangent as well. Like I've been listening to a lot more uh, acts like the Chemical Brothers recently. Been listening to No Geography, but I've been picking up on, on particular songs that I like and just sort of having them on repeat. I suspect if I took something like Running and had that on repeat instead of listening to the entire album in its um, from start to finish, I'd have a very different opinion about it. Um, but yeah, the fact that it's buried at the back of the album, I think, damaged my enjoyment of it. I like the track and my brain's going, this sounds great, but I'm not getting much out of it. I think that's purely because of its position on the album. The penultimate track is Sister, which I think is the oldest song on the album, at least the oldest released one. Um, and long-time listeners of the show will remember from my summer playlist last year, this track was featured. Um I think this one's fantastic. All of the strings really add into it. All of the melodies are are incredible. It's just, I mean, even compared to all of the other stuff on the record, I feel like this is one of those songs that that you just can't write again, if that makes sense. Like, it's one of those songs that you just kind of happen upon the melodies and they just come out. And I don't know, it's just this feeling that it has... I I just struggled to find a music despite wanting it. I think this would have been a a great closer, but kind of sits here towards the end of the album. I was on like two two sides here. Like I didn't enjoy the guitar riff and like the call and response bit of that with the guitar and the like string synth bit. Um, but kind of just the overall sound of it was actually pretty cool. Um, and referencing. Uh, pop culture again um the it did like towards the end remind me of like wipeout the video game which is a it feels like a really (laughs) odd thing to say for this album but that's 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 what it reminded me of towards the end yeah i understand that one this had a lot of presence which the other tracks didn't have Maybe it's a little bit the way it's mixed and in instrument choices, but it's got loads of air, but it's also got a lot of intensity at the same time. This was nice um, as a flavour change. Again, my only gripe is that I wonder if I would have enjoyed this more if it was placed further up in the album or if the album was just a little bit smaller and whether that would have improved my enjoyment of it. Yeah, kind of the same thing as what I said for the other tracks. Lovely instrumentation, nice composition, not afraid to play with dynamics. It's a good track, um, but it's just not very experimental. It's, it, it's I don't know, I don't want to get too poncy. It's the distillation of what's been done in the previous tracks, and it's great, but 
I've had enough now. I want another drink. <laughs> I feel like on the last track, Nala, we do get something quite different. It's kind of this more techno-y sound to it. I mean, it sounds a lot like early Orbital stuff to me. Um, I just, I don't know why it's got outro tacked onto the song name. Because like Galdem at the beginning makes sense to be called intro because it's a short track that's mostly just kind of a skit. But this one's just a full song. It's just the last song on the album. I don't quite know why it's been labelled that way because when I I looked at the track list and I thought, oh, well, that's kind of a less significant one. But actually it's it's quite an enjoyable track. Although I still don't know if, you know, if we're being completely honest, like... At what that thirteenth track is just an extended version of giving up. At twelve tracks and fifty minutes, you could probably have ended on sister, and it might have felt maybe just as complete. Yeah, and this is kind of my issue about this album: is what could you have got rid of and it and get the same feeling out of it? Um, and likewise, if you have freed up that space for something else, what could you have put in there to surprise and to? Delight. Again, the sounds are terrific. Composition's great. Um, but like I said, around the point of like power and running, like my ear was just getting so tired. Um, purely because of the thing is because of the way it's mixed and mastered, but also because of because of the style. The other thing that for me is a disappointment in this album is again listening to like studio chat stuff like Galdem. One, I love stuff like that in albums. I love the fact that it's a person and it's not a perfect production. Where was that weird interlude? Where was that sort of uh, where was that pause in the middle, or where was that like you know cool little sample that didn't become a full song, but actually could be a thirty second you know, ditty in the middle just to give some ear candy? There are little bits which I think that first track set up and it never quite delivered on, um, and that's the that's the thing that annoys me about this album. I love what I'm hearing, but I just want more of it i thought i thought it's really it really did sound like an outro it felt like it was closing the album did it actually need to be there maybe not but i thought it was a it was a pretty good song um i don't know if this was deliberate but it did feel like the tune was slightly similar to the tune for track one track two um but in a different pitch different instrument so it was hardly similar, but I did feel like it had a, a similar rhythm, at least. Um, it was probably not deliberate, but that's that's what I felt. Um, so it was it was nice to have that mirror mirroring between intro and outro. Um, there are more layers added to percussion nearing the end, but to be honest, it didn't really provide much. It didn't really do anything to the song. Um, but yeah, I thought it was decent. Right then, let's ask the all-important question. Should our listeners check this album out? Tom? Mm. Um, do you need to check out the album? Yes. Do you need to check out The Light, Sister, Time? Yes. What What did I say What did I say just then? Did I say yes or no? I think you said yes. Oh, dear. You said yes for the album and then yes for the tracks. And then yes <laughs> for the tracks, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. I meant no for the album and yes for the tracks. Okay. Oh, dear. Um can we break on that? <laughs> I'll edit that. Yep. Uh, right. James? Yeah, def- definitely have at least one listen, I think. Yeah, I think this is one to listen to now, and then you'll be ready for when she releases another album, and maybe it does have those more experimental things that we kind of felt we wanted a bit more. But I think, I mean, the tracks on here are all really strong in their own rights, and they work cohesively as an album, even if the album doesn't kind of go in as many directions as maybe some of us might have wanted where do we want to rank it as always for listeners the current rankings are down in the description this will be our 40th album we've ranked damn long old year um we're saying it more and more the crop of albums is very strong and i'm looking at the list i'm quietly going down and down not because it's not inherently a good album but because it's there are so many good ones that we've listened to. I must be looking around... Oh, cripes. I'm probably looking around 28, 29. Hot chip territory. 
for me, I'm the opposite. I was, I was going up and up and up. But I feel like my brain is frazzled right now and I can't remember any of these albums suddenly. Um, we need to not record in mornings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd put it in this, like, the top, mm, top 20 somewhere. We'll, we'll see what Will thinks, I think. I'm trying to pick out kind of the key ones that are easy to compare it against. It's definitely below Fragments. I think that that's kind of my oh, initial yeah. impression. And then, I don't know, maybe I should go below raw data feel, but maybe I'd put it above the overload. I don't know, definitely above Whitney. I don't know. Tom, where do you want to start? And we'll see, we'll see where it gets to, I guess. That's a good point, actually. You just mentioned Whitney. Because um, it's below Maggie Rogers in my mind. So yes, I'd probably start Whitney and probably drop out there. Right then, should it go above Surrender by Maggie Rogers? No. Yeah. This is a hard one for me because I feel like I put Surrender too low. Mm. I'm going to say yes. Should it go above Pillow Queens? Yeah. Yes. Should it go above Everything Everything? This is a hard one because <laughs> I feel like it should go higher than this, but I reckon it's not better than Raw Data Feel. Everything Everything definitely had a lot more experimentation but sometimes it got lost in its experimentation. Mm. I think this this is a stronger album front to back than Everything Everything is, definitely. I'm going to put it above Everything Everything. Maybe it's recency bias, but I'm going to say yes as well, just because it is overall stronger. I think the next few are going to be quite easy. Best Than Beach House, yes. Yeah. Best Than Bodega, yes. Yeah, because I, yeah. Best Than Yard Act, yes. Yeah, I would say so. Best than More Mother. Yeah. Yeah. Best than Bonnie Light Horseman. I think I'm gonna stop here. Am I I might have gone just above that, but I don't I wouldn't have gone past the Beths. So that means that Tisha with Capricorn Sun is going in at number sixteen. Yeah, this might have been one of the most unsure I've been on an album, I think. It's getting tough. Maybe that's just my morning brain. <laughs> it's a very unsteady rise as well, like is that a Maggie Rogers? Not sure. Pillow Queen's not sure. Everything, everything. Ooh, it's tricky. <laughs> the rest, yes. <laughs> a difficult rise into the teens. This really is one that could have gone anywhere between... 1 and 40. <laughs> 31 and, and 11. Really, for me. A difficult rise into the teens, but it's made it. Number 16. Just before we get on to upcoming releases... Uh, James, you use Apple Music, right? Yeah. Have you noticed the composer stuff that started to come in? I don't know if your app's updated. No, not When you're all. listening to music, if it's got composers on the playing screen, it now says by, and then the names of the composers, dash the artist's name. So most of the time when you're on the now playing screen, you can't see the artist. Which no. I'm all for them showing the composers. That's great. But putting it in the artist bit seems a bit odd. I don't quite know why they've done it like that. Didn't notice that. Anyway, quick fire gig reviews from Will and Tom. Uh, we'll go through in chronological order. Last week, I saw Chuck 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 at Strange Brew in Bristol. Uh, they're a dance punk band from Brooklyn. They've been around for a, quite a long time. Uh, they were good, really high energy, which was a bit hard for me to match on a, a work night. Um, I was slightly disappointed as a longer term fan seeing them for the first time that a lot of the, a lot of the set list was their most recent album, which I'm not the biggest fan of. So it was a lot of new tracks when I th thought that I would have rather heard some of the older stuff. And the other thing is that for those new tracks, it's a very synth-heavy album, and their lineup didn't have a permanent synth player. Like, the guitarist was occasionally playing a few synth bits, and the vocalist was too, but it was mostly guitar, bass, drums and vocals, which I thought matched some of the older songs a lot better than it did the new stuff. Um, but overall, like, they were really, really high energy. Uh, I know that Jess saw them in Extra as well, and she really enjoyed that too. Next up this week, 
I saw again at Strange Brew the Burning Hell, um, who are kind of like the best way I can describe them is they're like Bishop Allen meets the Flaming Lips. Their album from this year was really good. Um, the show was really enjoyable. They played a lot of new stuff, but this time I felt like that worked because as a kind of newer fan of the band, I don't really know much of the old stuff. And also I think because that most recent record's so strong. Also, kind of my standout from the show was as a kind of warm-up act, two of the guys from the band came out and played covers of Roger Miller songs, which they've released an album. You can go and find it. It's called Miller Time. And he did, obviously, the soundtrack for... Disney's Robin Hood, as well as a bunch of his own country stuff, but also a song called King of the Road, which if you don't know, it was in the Think Road Awareness campaign from the 90s with the animated hedgehogs. Um, so it was like this really weird time of songs that you don't know, but you have like like deep-seated <laughs> memories of. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just really fun, like old, old country music. Getting on to the one we went to together, Tom. Mm. Japanese breakfast last night at Marble Factory. Or not last night. Recently. Thursday night. Yeah. Thursday night. It would have been Thursday 20th of September. Yeah. Um, this is a good little gig. First thing to mention are the support act, Barry. Um, I can't quite figure out what it is. I presume it must be um, Free Sisters. I presume it must be... Um, Sisters, but I don't know. I also don't want to make that assumption, but um, cool, fun, um, enjoyable pop music, basically. Uh, what's the best way of describing them? You had um, four members, so as far as I can, as far as I can aware, three six and three sisters and one um, additional singer who was also the choreographer for the dance routines that they had relatively basic stuff it wasn't like a big hollywood production it had a nice blend of being deep and somber um but also being quite fun and uplifting really nice way to start the gig japanese breakfast themselves were good nothing outstanding um but a really good nice gig which focused mainly on stuff from jubilee um from Japanese Breakfast's most recent album. I couldn't help but notice, Will. Um, I don't know whether you noticed the same. Like, the crowd reacted slightly differently to how I expected. Not so many people knew the old tracks, like Soft Sounds from Another Planet. Lots of them knew the new stuff. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm not sure whether the crowd didn't get into it completely there were lots of folks who were you know probably standing there taking it in but it could have just been the case that they were just again absorbing it just being there and being present rather than jumping around or um waving or you know um leaning from side to side like i was the entire gig um yeah, I think that's it. The other note was, I wondered if the sound system was a little bit quieter than usual. Like, I had my ear defenders with me, as I normally do. I put them in, um, and I thought, this is a little bit quiet. And then and then I took them out, and it was actually a relatively good, pleasant volume, um, which was surprising. Normally, most sound systems, you'll find that they're cranked way too high. Um, but Marble Factory either have some very good limiters, or they've got great discipline in turning up the sound system. I'm not sure which it is. I think it was definitely the mixing engineers or the band choosing to have it quieter because I've been there on nights where it's a lot louder than that, um, which I really appreciate. I did have my earplugs in for a lot of it because it, it started off and it was a volume that I thought I could manage without and then it got a bit louder and I thought it's maybe creeping into being a bit too loud when the drums come in. Um, just a note on the Marble Factory, for whatever reason, it, I think it might be the room, but the mixes there are never great. Like, I felt like it was a, a bit muffled and you couldn't quite get the same clarity in, in the bass or the high end, really, as you do at other venues. Um, but yeah, I thought they were good. They played a reasonable mix of different stuff. They played a few things from Psychopomp. They played maybe a few less from Soft Sounds than I would have expected, but they did get a reasonable number of tracks in from that. Um I thought that the more energetic tracks worked the best. 
So songs like Be Sweet, I mean, it was a standout on the album, but it worked really well in the live setting. And mm. there were some kind of lulls where they were playing the slower songs and they just didn't have the same kind of energy to them as some of the, the bigger moments. Yeah, I think the other thing as well, which I, to be honest, I really, really appreciated. I don't know how much the crowd did, but it was very easy to tell which songs the band really enjoyed. Um, and I think that this was kind of a half and half set list. Half of the ones that they thought people wanted to hear, half of the ones that the band actually wanted to play. And I really appreciated that. It was great to see, you know, this, uh, what was it? It was a six piece band with the singer and the backing band as well. Just to see these big burly blokes just suddenly just live it and be in that moment, be in the song uh, at a couple of points in the set list. It was really, really nice to see, really refreshing. Um, but yeah, I, th I think I think you're right. The the higher energy stuff really worked. And there were the, like you said, Be Sweet was a real high. There are a couple of other tracks which came to mind as well, um, which were really, really strong. Heft, I thought was really good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was the other one that, that I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, good show. Not outstanding, but a very good show. Um, also, Japanese Breakfast um, admitted to having her first full English um, before the show. And a little part of my brain went, at this point, I should really be screaming English Breakfast at the top of my lungs. And I didn't, and I'm mildly disappointed at myself. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done on that. The <laughs> nah, you should have. <laughs> On the note about the instrumentation, kind of in contrast to Chuck Chuck Chuck, I felt like, yeah, they got an ideal, like they'd narrowed it down to not having two like superfluous people on the stage, but they'd managed they had everything they needed to kind of build up something close to the studio arrangements for the mm. set. Which I, I think it would have been a, a bit lackluster if it was just guitars and bass and you didn't get the synths and the was there a saxophone at one a few points and there was a saxophone a couple of other points. instruments and stuff yeah synthesizers the violin player also had a synthesizer in front of her they didn't shy away from having like a lot of stuff on stage as well like they had a gong just for the first song and then they seemed to sit there doing nothing for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the <laughs> Set. I was wondering if she was going to keep hitting the gong throughout the whole set but you know <laughs> it was just for that first track it was the um, opening track of Jubilee wasn't it Paprika Oh, one other thing is, I really liked that in the main set, they were doing the songs and they were pretty taut and basically just kind of the arrangements from the the albums. And so they managed to fit a lot in. And then when they came back for the encore, they kind of did the bigger, kind of stretched out, jammy stuff. Yeah. Which feels like a good compromise of we're going to play lots of the songs so you get to hear something that you love at least. Whether whatever kind of era of the band is your favourite. But they're also going to do some kind of more lengthy, kind of experimenting live on stage parts for the end. I thought that felt like a good good balance. If memory, the second to last track, like the first one they did on the encore, was Posing for Cars, like the end of Jubilee. Uh, my goodness me, that was ethereal that was quite a haunting moment watching that track grow quietly although it really irritated me that um one of the guitars was out of tune the g-string was noticeably flat and it was really really irritating i wanted to just run on stage and just like adjust the tuning peg but um it was still even despite of that it still felt really strong it felt like a really really um what's the right word evocative performance i really like that one Let's get on to upcoming releases. Uh, only a few things I found coming out this week of note. Uh, maybe there are more, but for whatever reason, my sources have not, not found them. Uh, up first, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard are releasing a new album called Changes. I heard they're releasing like four in a month or something. Like I don't know what's going on with those guys. Uh, Next, Fred again is releasing his third album in his Actual Life series, Actual Life January 1st to September the 9th, 2022. The singles on this have been fantastic. If you haven't seen his Boiler Room set, I think I've mentioned it before, you need to go and listen to that. Uh, I saw him at Forwards play live and it was great too. Um, 
and the the track that's just been released as a single, Delilah, pull me out of this. It's so so good. Just like if you like the album from this week and you want more kind of emotive big room dance music, you've got to check it out. And finally, Benjamin Clementine is releasing a new album called And I Have Been. I've never really got into his solo stuff, but I always enjoy him when he features on things, so maybe I'll check this one out. That's it for upcoming release, and that's it for the show. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more from us, you should subscribe on your podcast service of choice. If you want to help the show grow, you can tell a friend about the podcast. That's the best way to do it. If you want to hear more from us throughout the week, you can follow us on Twitter at Unmuted Weekly and on Instagram at Unmuted If you want to get in touch with us, you can drop us an email at Unmuted at gmail.com. I can now announce that the album for next week is Blue Rev by Always. <laughs>